Right. If you'd like a voice that's easy, expressive and human, if you want to deliver your words in a way that really makes your listener feel something, you know, and if you want a clearer voice during hay fever season, cold and flu season and even... Yikes, I've sung too loud at a Bon Jovi concert season. (laughs) Then join me for Mouth to Mic. It's my new online voice training programme that comes with its own private community of voice gigs, just like you. For all the info, head over to bit.ly forward slash mouth to mic. That's bit.ly forward slash mouth to mic. This is the Voice Coach Podcast for all the tips and tricks on getting the most out of your speaking voice. I'm Nick Redman and I'll be sharing everything you need to know to keep your voice healthy, sounding great and working the way it should. If you're an actor, voiceover, speaker, presenter or podcaster, you're in the right place. Hopefully it'll be a wee bit of crack too. Let's get started. Well, don't you look lovely? You must be enjoying the birthday celebrations as much as I am. (laughs) Someone told me I looked tanned today. That's as much a birthday present as I need. As a pale Irish person, (laughs) it is the start of birthday week too. And yes, I am drawing this birthday out as long as I can. You only turn one in podcast land once. So I just thought I'd go all out. And this week, I've got a lovely interview with someone whose work I have admired from the minute I was introduced to it when I was training at Royal Central School of Speech and Drama back in the day. This lady came in to do some sessions with us and, and oh, I can't even, can't even tell you. She's wonderful. You'll know her name if you're a listener to the podcast regularly because I talk about her all the feckin' time. It's Barbara Houseman. I managed to snaffle some of Barbara's very valuable time to have a fabulous chat. But before I get into that now, just a quick shout out if you took part in the New Year New Voice week with me last week in the Voice and Accent Hub. It was wonderful. We had so much fun. Thank you, you know, for trusting me with your voice as ever and joining in and supporting others and having a real play with those voices and the sounds. It was wonderful, you know, and lots of people got loads of stuff out of it and uh, really were able to check in on what their voice needs and connect with it for the year moving forwards. With that in mind, remember, you can still join me for my next course, the Vocal Empowerment Programme. Every time I say that, I feel like I need to do a fist grab, like an 80s fist grab. (laughs) The Vocal Empowerment Programme. Become your own voice coach. (laughs) It's on sale now. Serious, Nick, come on. And it's basically everything you need to give you autonomy over your voice prep and maintenance and technique and your vocal health. So I'll basically be throwing as many exercises and vocal explorations and information at you as I possibly can over the space of six weeks online in two live sessions a week and in the Facebook group and lots of other extra exciting things so that you can feel fully equipped to look after your vocal health really and warm yourself up for speaking and also troubleshoot any wee issues that come up day to day and just feel really confident in your vocal technique and how you can make sure it's there for you in whatever speaking you have to do. Right, back to Barbara. A potted intro. I mean, I could go on forever. Basically, uh, Barbara's got a career as a voice, an acting coach and a theatre director, and it spans nearly 40 years. She's worked alongside a lot of the greats. Okay, probably all of the greats, like Sis Berry at the Royal Shakespeare Company and Tim Supple at the Young Vic. She's written two books, which you should definitely buy, Finding Your Voice and Tackling Text. And she's worked extensively as a voice and text coach in the West End. She's also Season Associate Director at the Open Air Theatre in Regent's Park. Her client list is pretty 
pretty exciting and a who's who of all the cool dudes. So you've got like Jane Asher, Kenneth Branagh, Jerry Hall, Lenny Henry, Nicholas Holt, Patrick Kildee, Jude Law, Clive Owen, Daniel Radcliffe. I'll not go on. She has worked as a voiceover artist as well and coaches journalists who narrate their own documentaries, as well as coaching non-actors and individuals just wishing to improve their communication skills. And she's a fully qualified healing shiatsu practitioner, NLP master practitioner and certified clean language coach, which, newsflash, I didn't know (laughs) what it was, but I do now. So anyway, we pick up the interview with me having asked Barbara what it is that leads her to the additional courses that she studies, which a lot of the time from the outside aren't directly voice related. It's a really lovely chat and I'm so delighted we were able to make it happen. I hope you enjoy it. There's some great warm-up tips, some insights into Barbara's practice and, well, predictably, some chat about breath. The shiatsu was that was kind of related to the voice work because I was looking to do more body work and I was thinking of training as an Alexander teacher. And then a friend and actor who I had directed had found, felt he was so present when we were doing the show because the way, you know, I, we, I was already working in a way that he went off to try and find how he could be present in life, ended up doing the shiatsu training. I had a shiatsu with him and thought, well, that's amazing. <laughs> so I started doing that and then realized I was entering on this whole journey of mindfulness that I hadn't intended to do. So that's how that started. The NLP happened because I was teaching I did corporate work. I I mean, almost full time for about 14 Mm. years. I mean, there was a time when I was doing very little theatre work, which was actually when I was able to write the books because I had the time. Um, The dollar for the corporate. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, well, I I was also living in France, so I was commuting between London and France. So, yeah, lots of things going on. And I was working with somebody who'd done LLP training and I was very interested in the way he was using it. I know it can often be abused. It sometimes has a bad name. Mm. So I went and trained in that and I trained with some of the people like Robert Diltz and some of the other people who were, they weren't the two founders, but they were really way, way back at the start of it. Um, that was because I just was interested and wanted more. And then out of that, because I missed the language module, I found clean language. and <laughs> Oh, this is good. Yeah. So those who came out of work. The other thing, um, the mindfulness training I did recently, the uh, MBCT, was really because I realized because of 30 years of practicing mindfulness that I was kind of teaching it in my work and I didn't have a professional teaching qualification. And, Mm. you know, I know people just go away and do weekends and then become mindfulness teachers. And, you know, I have a big problem with that because uh, I've done 30 years of practice. I'm still not very good at it, but at least I kind of understand, you know. And the pitfalls and, you know, where you have to be careful with where people are going. So that's why I trained in that. And also, it's also usually because it'll be good for me. Because I had a mentally ill mother and, you know, really badly ill and, and postnatal depression. And she was in a mental hospital for nine months when I was six months old. It's had left me with a lot of issues. I mean, I don't know. It's difficult because I get depressed, but I don't think I, I don't suffer from from chemical depression. It, it's it's really what they're now calling a complex post traumatic stress disorder when you've had mm. a, a long period of exposure to something as a child that really wasn't child copable with. It's difficult for me often to speak about this because I think, well, I'm white and I'm middle class, and my parents loved me, and I was never starving or hit, but I was my mother's carer. You know, she really didn't cope so I think a lot of this work has been about me trying to heal me and obviously when something does help you you have a kind of authenticity to share it with others which is why I always say to voice coaches you know 
teach the stuff that's helped you. Don't teach an exercise because I say it does this, because mm. it might not do this for you. Teach what it does for you, because then you teach with authenticity. So I think all of the work has come out of, I mean, I do love learning as well and love groaning. And it's all been quite synchronistic. I mean, I was thinking for years, I want to do a mindfulness course. I don't know what to do. And I knew about the one in um, Oxford, but I thought it was an MA. And I was like, I don't want to study. And then literally I was sitting next to Mark Williams. Kenneth Branagh brought Mark Williams in to do some mindfulness work on um, a play that we were, I was working on. And I didn't get to do the session, but I bought the book and I had a look at that. And then I'm sitting next to him in a dress rehearsal and I really liked him. And I thought, I'm going to look at this course. And actually, by the time I looked it and went, he'd left. But that was why I did that particular training. And I found mm-hmm. the foundation course, which was teach training, but you didn't have to do anything academic and there were no essays. So it was like the MA without right. that. Without the qualification, <laughs> yeah. two books, so that and everything else was practical. So you know that was why. And then I did a calling in the one training, which is supposedly about calling in your partner, but really about calling in yourself. And that mm-hmm. was because I'd done a free thing on alternatives and thought this is this woman really, you know, this is better than therapy. And I've used it so much with people. And now I'm doing a breath of love training, which is sort of ther- therapeutic breath mindfulness work, sort of. And that came off watching a breath summit in in lockdown. And I was really impressed by her. And she gave some free meditations. And I thought they were really good. So it, it's all tended to be quite eclectic. The amount of access to training over lockdown has been one of the benefits. Yeah. Of, uh, you know, side effects is that when I find myself being able to do courses in America or somewhere else in the UK that I wouldn't have been able to get to ordinarily, which has been a nice, gentle, kind of happy benefit from my point of view. Yeah, breathwork training is really hot right now. It's everywhere. Well, it's been, yes. I mean, it it has been, I think it has been for a a long time. I think it is very interesting with therapeutic breathwork. Mm. Obviously, it forms quite a good partnership with our breath work yeah yeah what sort of I'm seeing interesting themes in some of the clients I'm getting at the moment one-to-one after COVID and lockdown and all that Mm -hmm. kind of thing in terms of voices not being what they were or tension Mm -hmm. and all that kind of thing some confidence issues that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff are you seeing any sort of lockdown influenced themes in your clients at the moment um I suppose the main thing is people just not being match ready. You know, I mean, that's what's happening. Oh, yeah. Joseph's I was working on people like, whoa, I haven't done this for a year. <laughs> How do I get on stage <laughs> again? <laughs> so, you know, having to, but then, you know, persuading people, well, then you have to do your warm up every day, don't you? You know, you have to, well, and, and, you know, the whole thing about warm ups, you know, is an issue because I think the important thing that um, at a conference, so a voice conference, one of the ENTs was saying, you know, voice muscles not like running muscles it's not the same kind of warm-up and I think that's quite important that a few moments actually warms it all up what you're mainly doing in a warm-up or workout is nudging the body to work the way the body was designed to work to produce healthy <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so in a way it's more of a building of habits than a warm-up as such so you know I really feel there was a better I wish there was a better word than warm-up or workout because I feel there needs to be her really it's habit builder yeah, that's such a lovely reframe of what a warm up is. It's mm. reminding your body to work in the most efficient way yeah. for the job yeah. at hand. I mean, a lot of it more and more and more. Uh, Nicola Harrison, very interesting singing teacher who's done a whole lot of actual research on images. She has a whole little book. I mean, that might be, she's doing Ooh. courses online. It might be one to look at. She has a whole book of images and she's, it um, it's Embodima, E M B O D I M A. And she's had research. So 
where they put, you know, little neurotransmitters or whatever, I don't know, you know, where you hook people up. Yeah. And then people will think of the image and look at whether the muscles she thinks are going to move are moved by that. Oh, gosh, that sounds exciting. Exactly. And she's got some really interesting ones like, you know, a conga eel, which you you really, you keep your hand very hot with the body and you just move it like that. And it's really good for engaging the support muscles. Oh, wow. And her point is that 90% of the voice muscles are not under conscious control. Yes. So what we have to look at here is, so how do we activate muscles appropriately if most of them aren't muscles we can go you know, move. Like use. Yeah, do it. So, I mean, so for me, the combination of the images and the idea that, 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 well, I think that Dane talks about, that Janice Chapman, singing coach, talks about, and Ken Bozeman, an acoustician, talks about, is using affect, emotional affect, you know, that Mm. when we sob and laugh, our throat opens, you know, (laughs) deacon trick. Toddler wine, Ken Bozeman talks about toddler wine gives you good fold closure that gets you a good set of harmonics that then you can resonate. So, you know, just, you know, going, doing that this week. So, you know, that actually, because, so you're using an emotional way, you know, calling tends if you call, I mean, you have to look at how people are calling, but if people call well and freely, you start to engage the support muscles and then here. So it's looking with people at, how can I use an emotional attitude, if you like, or mood to get the behavior in the body I want? And once I've triggered it and I keep working that till it becomes habitual. Yeah. yeah. I've been thinking a lot and trying to encourage my clients at the moment to think less about what they sound like and more about what they oh. feel when oh. they're speaking, because so much of work on microphones is, oh, what does that sound? And then the producer says, oh, you're a bit sibilant or you sound a yeah. bit this or whatever. And it's just the most destructive yeah. thing because you start you know, monitoring yourself the whole time. So I've been trying to get people to reframe it and think more about sensation and, and that kind of thing. Absolutely. You cannot listen to yourself. And it's not, <laughs> it's not an accurate guideline because something yeah. can sound good, but not actually be produced well. I mean, sometimes, you know, yeah. so I can do something like this and it may sound fine, but actually I'm sitting down on my larynx a little bit. If I do that a lot, it's what Van Lawrence, uh, who was an laryngologist, used to call his consulting room voice. And it was mm. like, you can't actually stand up in public speak in that voice. And it's something I was working with an actor who was playing Clinton. And Clinton could be quite creaky, you know, quite quite. Yeah serving and all that but not when he was public speaking it kind of he took it much more up in it was much brighter and higher and you know that was probably just instinctive I don't know whether he'd had training but you know certain relaxed voices do not work well once you've got to speak for any kind of time or with any kind of energy because the yeah. I think this is what happens sometimes with my audiobook narrator clients who are doing hours and hours every day mm-hmm. in that really intimate setting, a couple of inches from the microphone. And I think over time, even if you're someone with training, I'm talking about myself here, by the way, because this is what I'm experiencing right now and why I'm working with Barbara a little bit to sort my shit out. But like, I've just found I've disconnected with my support yeah. system. And I think sometimes audiobook narrators and voiceovers who are working loads come to me and they go, I'm just tired. I'm getting really vocally tired very quickly. It's about like there are ways of creating those intimate sounds that are still connected to the support and that kind of efficient mechanism. I think the biggest thing is 
it's a bit like you almost need more support for quiet singing than you do for loud. Mm. But there's a kind of people can often go more vocal energy, more body engagement, less vocal energy or volume, less body engagement. No. Yeah. You know, and what you're dealing with is that I need the same degree of, you know, that that really, and that's why, you know, working with and really feeling this engagement and going, okay, let me do it with a lot of energy. Now let me half the energy or the, half the volume or get more intimate, but not lose the body engagement. Yeah. That's what you have to get to that, that there's the same degree of body engagement so that, you know, even if I want to speak very quietly, that what I don't go is go, okay, so now I'm just working here. Yeah. It's and all about here. here like, and, and it's like, no, I'm still, I, I'm still working from here. Mm. By here, uh, I mean the lower belly, yeah. It's all about the body. That was the, that was the 12 days of tips, my first tip. Remember you have a body. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's totally, yeah, totally true. It's so easy, especially when you're on a microphone. Yeah. Getting really focused from like even here out, you even forget yeah, you're yeah, yeah. sometimes. Um, and I mean, yeah. one thing I don't know because you have much more experience doing voiceover than I, I do. But my sense is what I'd get the actors to do is really to imagine that all of this has moved down. Mm. So I think, you know, if the sense that whatever you want here is here and it's just then coming up through a tube to the microphone, I know that sounds a bit weird. But and I'm just noticing that Anna has said adding bro to my warm up. What I'd suggest, Anna, for time is that you bro the voiceover. Yeah. Rather than broing yeah. and then do the voiceover, that you literally bro the text. Yeah, Anna's a warm up. Really experienced audiobook narrator. Yeah. So if you took like the first paragraph you've got to do for that day or something and just through it yeah. or some yeah. other semi-occluded sign, that's a great way. Yeah. And rather than doing the warm-up, because sometimes you do the warm-up and then it goes, lovely. And now we're doing the book. So we'll just yeah. go back to what we were doing before. So, you know, the brain is really good at siloing and it's not very good at you have to go, I want this behavior here, not just here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you yeah. gotta connect it. Yeah, I remember the first time I ever did voice training and we were doing some really random, obscure stuff that wasn't put into context. And I was like, but I just want to be an actor. What's all this flopping around on the floor about? Yeah. Um, and I, I look back at that with, it's, it's weird that that tiny moment informs my practice today, like 20 odd years on, because I had yeah. no idea where my life was going really. But like context, I think is what I took from that. You know, it's yeah. not about telling people the answer or end gaming or giving them what they're aiming for, but it's about making people understand why you're doing something in relation to how they're going to use their voice. Yeah. Well, it's also because they have no power and then therefore they're just going, oh, well, we, I harm mine too. I don't really know why. <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing that. You know, you need to be power. Okay. You know, if I want, what do I need to do? Well, I need to be released, but how quickly can I do that? I need to be connected. Well, if I do any semi-occluded sound, the fricatives, the, I mean, I suppose, you know, you can also do water bubbling, but as Ron Morris says, then you have to carry the water around with you. <laughs> And of course, when you're going to do bubbling, you have to make sure you're not doing that, that you have a bent straw yeah. and everything's in good. And by bubbling, just for anyone who doesn't know, I mean straw into water. The other thing I was going to say that I think is useful is tongue around the teeth regularly when you're um, doing a long bit. Because it's it's a question of keeping engaged down here and keeping this free. Because I know my tongue, you know, I've had a lot going on at the moment and things have been you know tightening up and I'm like yeah okay because you're not really you have to you you need to really release and breathe and just loosen everything you know yeah tongue around the teeth and you know that deeply attractive 
Of course, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There's yeah. nothing I love more than uh, looking really disgusting with my clients, mm-hmm. especially now you see yourself back. Yeah, every time you awful. Yes. How have you found the flip to online coaching, actually? All right, actually, much as long as I just have to hide my picture or make it very small in the corner because otherwise I'm <laughs> horrified. I'm trying to not be horrified at this very moment. But otherwise fine and not not groups so much only mm-hmm. small groups if if I've got a group that's bigger than I can see on one screen then it's horrendous basically horrendous because I can't interact I also feel online in line with groups that people don't interact as freely because they you know they're not sure whether they can or they they have to put their hand up or whatever so you don't get that free flow that you get in a room mm-hmm. so that's a downside one-to-one I sometimes feel that when we're working on stuff that touches people emotionally and they get upset, that almost being in their own home and not physically present with you allows them to feel they can go there without feeling so exposed. So that's just something I felt, ooh, actually, this this might, it's fine when we're face-to-face, but actually there may be an advantage. So I've been surprised. I think the frustration is sometimes when you just really need to be able to touch somebody. Yeah, I find the same with the the being in your home environment. I feel actually mm-hmm. I've had quite a few people come to me who've been on the periphery or, you know, come to a workshop once, but not had the courage to come one-to-one. And I've had quite a few people who've felt they could because they're in their own environment, which yeah. is a positive to take from, it, I suppose. Um, but so, also there's the access thing that you could be working with somebody anywhere in the country yeah. or anywhere in the world, you know, and so there's all of that. Yeah, really. just kind of learn about feckin' time zones. <laughs> oh, tell me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and, so, oh, yeah. and then the bloody clocks change and then you're yeah, there, yeah, but they're yeah, not. Yeah. And then, an absolute nightmare. But, you know, we work through it. You know, that has to be one of the most amazing things about the last two years. Access to training. I've done so many courses that I've you know, wouldn't have been able to do if real life had been progressing as it usually does. I've trained with people in the US and in different parts of the UK and at times that maybe wouldn't have suited if I had to literally get there. And of course, as a coach, I've been able to get all that learning out to you via the online courses that we've done over the last few years. You know, the Ultimate Accent Toolkit and the Jaw Release course and the Breath course. It's fucking great. So if you're on the fence about online coaching, like give it a go. It works for me both as a student and as a coach. And remember, registration is open for the Vocal Empowerment Program, 80s Fist Grab. You can book onto that until Wednesday, the 3rd of February, 2022. So come and play. Like I said, online learning is brilliant. It's just a great way of training with people that you might not get to train with otherwise. It's great for your voice. It's better for the environment. Uh, you're saving money on travel, <laughs> which means more money for fancy tea bags for staying hydrated. So win-win. Link in the bio to join and make sure you tune into the next episode of this interview to hear what Barbara suggests to nail that elusive conversational read. See you then. Thanks for listening to the Voice Coach Podcast. To get the most out of your voice, come on over to our free community on Facebook, The Voice and Accent Hub. See you in there.